uh, I'm here. Everything's under control. We're modulating the transmitter out there. Uh, you mind if I take my shades off? Or should I wear them? What do you, what do you think? I'll put it up here. You don't give a damn. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'll tell you this. I'm going to warn you, though, before I get started on tonight's fiasco to begin with. This is a serious night here on the show. A very serious night. You know, as you know, every, every month, uh, this uh, deeply involved radio station does another show, or the whole day, really, it is. It's a whole day, so I, I fall right into the scene here. A whole day on another part of New York. You know, different part. We've, we've done all kinds of areas, and uh, tonight it's uh, a fun area of New York, Staten Island. And uh, I'll tell you, though, before I get started here, uh, wait a minute here, there's a couple of other things. We've got to get, get some business out of the way here first. No, I better not do that. Oh, no, I don't want to hear about that. A truck of manure overturned on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It's terrible. That just means that there was more of that stuff spread around out there than usual. That's all. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I, I uh, would like to uh, put it before my my uh, staff here. Uh, whenever I wear my shades when I do a show, the show has a completely different uh, feel to it than when I don't. Now, I, I wear shades, as you know, when I work, Jerry, probably how many times out of a week? I'd say about three out of five, right? And uh, I notice one bad thing that happens when I take my shades off. I immediately become pompous. It, uh, yes, uh, uh, you you just can't imagine a, a, a political candidate standing out there on the on the hustings. And I wonder where you can get a good hust these days to build some. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, you can't imagine a political candidate standing out there in the hustings. You know, with the with the keep TV cameras on him, he's got these real black shades, and he just looks out. He says, "Hi, how are you? You know, you're moving good." I suspect that guy. All he'd have to say would be that, and he'd get a lot of votes. He just look out. Everything okay? Yeah. You calling it that? Uh, and Gabe Preston said, "What do you think about blah 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 blah?" It's uh, it's uh, cool, man. It's all right. It'll come out later. And they just look, you know, with the black shades. Well, all right, tonight, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll, I'll wear my shades. I'll see what, what, what my shades do to Staten Island. Uh, tonight, it, as I said, it is Staten Island night, and uh, we're going to talk about Staten Island. You know, there's a funny thing. Before we get started on this, I'll have to say something about Staten Island to most of you who do not know much about New York. The only thing probably that most people know about Staten Island is that there's a thing called the Staten Island Ferry. And uh, actually, that's not Staten Island. Uh, that's just a boat that takes you to Staten Island. So uh, I debated this. I thought, well, maybe what we ought to do is go out on the Staten Island ferry. And then I thought, well, that's kind of unfair to Staten Island because, you know, to do a show about the George Washington Bridge when you're supposed to be doing a show about New Jersey would be kind of giving New Jersey the short shrift, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, I could do a thing about how groovy the bridge is. Never mention, <laughs> you know, never mention Jersey. <laughs> Or, or didn't you know that George Washington Bridge goes between Manhattan and Jersey? For those of you who are out there in the boondocks may not know these. You know, it's funny how many of the simple facts of New York life are not known to many people outside of New York, and in fact, n to many people in New York. Uh, it, it always comes as a surprise to a lot of people to discover that Staten Island is an actual borough. 
Uh, it just seems to be such a sort of a remote place to so many people. But it is a borough, and it is one of five. And uh, can you name the other four? You can. You say you can. But if I start laying them on you, you'd be surprised at how much trouble you'd have naming them. You don't think that the, that uh, Staten Island as a borough is called the borough of Staten Island, do you? What is it called as a borough? Yep, that's right. Pittsburgh. Now, um, <laughs> it is Richmond Hill. And uh, for those of you who are outside uh, of the New York area, you may not know that Staten Island is just exactly that. It is an island. And uh, to most New Yorkers, it represents kind of like being out of town. Uh, when, when, uh, when you go to Staten Island, it's like, you know, taking a real trip. Uh, not so when you go to the Bronx or when you go to Brooklyn or when you go to uh, you know, Queens or uh, Yonkers. Uh, these things seem really part of the natural things in New York, but Staten Island, yet, uh, on the other hand, Staten Island, it, it, historically, is probably one of the most important islands in the whole group. It's one of the most important birds. You know that, that in the early days, in the very early days, and I'm, I'm throwing this in as a part of, uh, of uh, historical perspective on Staten Island. And by way of giving you an idea where it is geographically, it takes about, I would say, to go from the Battery to Staten Island on the Staten Island Ferry. It takes, uh, oh, I would guess, around 20 minutes, wouldn't you say something like that? Once you get actually get on the ferry... And it moves on. And, you know, it's, it, it really is almost like an actual sea trip. It's not, it's not the, a casual trip you make when you take the, the ferry. And for many, 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 many years, uh, one of the big things that people always did when they came to New York, and apparently some of them, and many of them, I should say, still do, is when a visitor comes to New York uh, is to take the Staten Island Ferry. Now, there are a couple of reasons for doing this. For one thing, it's a... It's a it's a great way to get a perspective on the entire complex of New York. You can see the Jersey Shore. You can see Brooklyn. You can see, uh, you know, you can just see Manhattan. You probably the greatest view of Manhattan of all is from the Staten Island Ferry. You will agree with that, won't you, Al? It's a fantastic view, especially at night when you take that thing. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the Staten Island Ferries have, have some, some great... Uh, some great backgrounds to them. You know that out, out in at, at least one place I know, a retired Staten Island Ferry is now working as a very elegant restaurant. And uh, I wonder how many of you have ever been in that restaurant. It's not too far from here. And a retired Staten Island Ferry is now an elegant restaurant. And it's being kept just as the ferry was. They didn't, you know, cut it all up and put it on land or anything like that. It's in water. And uh, it's, it's all polished and beautifully cleaned and shined. It's a retired Staten Island Ferry, and it's, it's a restaurant. And, of course, they naturally uh, specialize in seafood. But uh, the ferry, when you take the ferry from Brooklyn, or rather from, yeah, it's, it's from the Battery. When you leave the Battery down there, and she sets out, uh, about halfway across, when you're halfway between Staten Island and the Battery, you probably get the greatest view, and you get a historical view, too. This is the view that many of the very earliest settlers actually saw when they came into the, uh, the harbor down there, when they came into New York Harbor. This is the view that they saw of New York. 
You can you can almost feel because it, it loses a lot of its sharpness and its modernity when you're out in the middle of that water, because the water looks like water, you know, and uh, it gives you a sense of, of remoteness. Now, in the in the early days, and this uh, and the only reason that I'm doing this tonight is that, you know I'm sure that everybody all day long here did stuff on the, the current problems of Staten Island, uh, the population shifts of Staten Island. These are all very valid, but. Uh, I, I'm 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 interested in 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 more than that, really. I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of interesting things, new shopping centers, and all that jazz. But Staten Island, during its very early days, I'm talking about uh, the time around 1800, roughly, was the great rival for Manhattan. As to which one of these islands, Manhattan Island or Staten Island, would be the great world city. And they were nip and tuck. That's hard to believe. Uh, but it is true that at that time, uh, Manhattan was not, of course, what it is now. It was just one of the islands, that's all. It just happened to be Manhattan. There was the island of Manhattan, and there was, the, uh, there was Staten Island. And both of them were growing up uh, parallel paths. And somewhere along the line, somewhere in the mid-18th century, something changed. There was a great change. And uh, something happened, particularly in the far southern end of Manhattan. Uh, industries moved in, and it changed the whole complexion of the race, and ultimately Manhattan became the great uh, world city. It became the center of New York. It became Really, most people in the world, when they think of New York, they think of Manhattan. It's Manhattan is what they think of. Well, it wasn't always that way. Uh, there was a time when Staten Island, and by the way, Staten Island at that time, was really the elegant part of New York. Uh, that that uh, that people who were already wealthy families uh, living in the area, in this area, uh, Manhattan, uh, wealthy families living in places like New Jersey and that, the, the really elegant thing to have would be an, a summer home on Staten Island. Staten Island was an elegant place. It was really elegant. And there are still very many parts of it that are. It's a beautiful place in many ways, many areas. And, and of course, it's, it's probably the only uh, place within New York where actual farms exist. There are farms on Staten Island, you know, but they're within the city limits of New York. And I mean working, everyday, operating farms. So this is a, this is a fact of Staten Island. There have been a lot of change. Of course, with the Verrazano Bridge going in, which links Staten Island and Jersey, that, you know, the whole thing has changed. The big, big changes have happened uh, with, with Staten Island. Now, I have a, a reprint. This, this came out here some time ago, but there's a, there's a reprint of a description of Staten Island. I'm, this, this, this makes fascinating reading to me anyway. It's a reprint of a newspaper that was brought out on the 75th anniversary of the city of New York. When New York was just 75 years old, it had become an incorporated city, and that was back in 1898. So uh, at that point, they brought out a newspaper. And this is this is a reprint of the newspaper. It was called the Diamond Jubilee issue, uh, picture magazine of little old New York. It was called, and it was brought out in 1898. This is it right here, and the, the pictures of. And of course, it was very modern. It was not a nostalgic paper in those days. It was just talking about what life was like at uh, that time. Pictures of Coney Island in 1898 and so on. And here is a, is a, 
a description of the island, Staten Island, Richmond Hill, uh, the bureau, the borough, how 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 it was viewed back in 1898, and you'll find it's a very different view. Now I'll re find this thing. I'm going through all the maps of Manhattan, maps, 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 all the way down. That maps of where everything's going on, borough, Bronx. Here we go. Yeah, here we come. All right, there's there's Brooklyn. And here is more about the Brooklyn Navy Yard. By the way, they, they were great uh, rivals at one time, too, incidentally. Brooklyn and the borough of Richmond. Fantastic rivals. <laughs> but now today, everything's settled down, and Staten Island is Staten Island. This is WOR New York. And before we start out with this, with this fascinating piece of historical uh, writing on the island of, of uh, Staten... And by the way, it was called that in those days. It was not called Staten Island until comparatively recently in history. It was called the Island of Staten, which uh, goes back to the Dutch days. Uh, this is WOR New York, and we have a couple of ding-dongs. Will you hit the button there, Al? Over the past 32 years, Newsday, the Long Island newspaper, has become one of the great success stories in publishing history. Recently, we started a Sunday edition. And what Newsday has done so well six days a week... We're now doing just as well on Sunday. For example, our coverage of television. I'm Lou Schwartz, managing editor of Newsday, and I can tell you one secret about developing a Sunday paper. You give readers something the other papers don't give them. In the Sunday Newsday, for instance, there's a TV book that has no competition because the other papers don't have one. It's a handy color magazine, more like a TV guide than a newspaper TV section, and you keep it on top of your TV all week. We think it would be great, even if there were competition, but we're prejudiced. Anyway, if you want a Sunday paper with a TV listings magazine, there's only one place to get it, in Sunday Newsday. Newsday, Long Island's own Sunday newspaper. No service charge for home delivery. Okay, fine, thank you. Oh, yeah, hey. If you'd like to meet the kids of Italy, take your vacation this year in Portugal, gang, because Portugal is where the kids of Italy, France... England, Germany, Switzerland, Denmark, and those great Swedish chicks take their vacations, so get with it. And just so the kids of America won't be left out of all the action, TAP, the Intercontinental Airline of Portugal, is introducing a youth fair, just $210 round-trip economy airfare to Portugal, subject to government approval, and the ticket is good for a whole year. Anyone under 26 and over 12 is eligible. And, boy, you'll see the wine country, you'll hang around the ancient castles, and what is, what's even greatest, you'll hang around those fantastic Portuguese beaches, just soaking up the sun with all the kids from all over the world. In Portugal, the prices are incredibly low, and the people, they move real good. Call your travel agent or TAP at 421-8500 for complete information about TAP's $210 youth fare to Portugal. Go where the European kids go. <laughs> Portugal. Portugal. Hey, you know that that uh, that of all the islands, of all the areas of New York, the most Dutch of them was Staten Island. And I wonder how many of you could tell me why it's called Staten Island. What are you looking at? What's the trouble? Uh, oh, I see the phone is ringing. <laughs> I wonder how many of you could tell me why it's called Staten Island. You can understand Manhattan because that was an Indian name and it had to do with the tribe that was here. But why Staten Island? 
Well, uh, that uh, comes from the fact that it was Dutch. Uh, the now I'll, I'll I'll give you the exact uh, the exact reason. It was originally called Staten Island, S T A A T E N. I don't know how the old Dutch pronunciation was. I don't even know how the new Dutch pronunciation would be of that. But it was Staten Island, E Y L A N T, Island. Well, the reason it was called Staten Island is that is where it was the uh, uh, the States General of the Netherlands. In other words, the the head man who came over, the Dutch, the go the governor came over, and this is where his headquarters was on Staten Island. It was like States Island. In other words, it was like uh, the headquarters, and the word Staten Island really referred to States General of the Netherlands, in whose name Henrik Hudson took possession in 1609. The Raritan Indians at that time, hence the name the Raritan River, the Raritan Indians inhabited Staten Island. That's where they lived. They, they dwelled along the shore, uh, up and down the shore. They were a fishing Indian. They, they subsisted almost entirely on fish, and they lived on the shore because this was the best fishing grounds along there. And, and even to this day, anybody who walks along the shores of Staten Island and the more remote parts can find evidences of the Raritan Indians. Uh, shell heaps, burial places, uh, stuff like uh, they, they occasionally find a stray stone hatchet, arrowheads are still found there. And uh, this, they were a branch of the Delaware tribe, the great Delaware nation. And uh, they, they were completely friendly. I mean, the minute, the minute that Henrik Hudson and his crowd showed up, the Indians dug it. And they got along great. Uh, <laughs> but they had, they had one, one quality to them. Uh, they readily made friends, but it's, according to the description in 1898, it says they were not to be trusted. A colony of Walloons, uh, Dutch, who settled on the island in 1624, migrated to Long Island for fear of the Indians, who uh, occasionally caused them trouble, particularly in the winter when the fishing was bad. About 1630, the Dutch of New, New Netherland, what they called it, began to settle at Old Dorp, they called it, or Old Town, on Staten Island. And the island was made the property of the Patroon Pau. This is a big man. It was like a Patroon is, uh, is uh, a nobleman. Uh, he's, a, he's a landowner. So uh, nevertheless, whenever any newcomer made a good offer, the Indians sold it again. Uh, you know, you hear about the Indians selling uh, Manhattan Island for $24. Well, what you don't hear is that they also sold it 15 times over. So the idea, every time somebody would show up, they'd sell it to them again. So uh, the Indians sold Staten Island many, many times, and uh, six separate sales at least are recorded, the last of which was to Governor Lovelace, who, by the way, held them to their bargain. You sold it, now you're not going to get back. It was bought at the rate of a dollar for every thousand acres. And as a uh, token of the transfer, the Indians delivered a sod of turf and a twig of every kind of tree and shrub uh, on, on the island, slyly omitting the ash and the hickory which they ever afterward claimed their right to cut. <laughs> so they still owned the ash trees and the hickory. From 1640 down to the time when the telegraph service was established between Sandy Hook and New York, the arrival of vessels was signaled by hoisting a flag on a tall staff which was erected at the Narrows. And the thing that uh, at one point they became famous for, of course, they were, it was Dutch Island, 
And up to about the time of uh, roughly the Civil War and a little afterward, it was almost largely Dutch. And people claimed that on late nights, you could hear the sound of Dutch music and organ music, Dutch organs, uh, street organs, uh, coming from the Dutch towns that were built along the shores. You could hear that in the Battery and up in, in the area of what we would call today Lower Manhattan. So uh, here, I, I brought some barrel organ music. You can hear what... This is the sound, really, seriously. And... and uh, <laughs> Don't ask me what the Dutch see in this racket. But, hold it there, thank you. Thank you. Enough of that. Well, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it. That's enough, that's enough. <laughs> thank you. That's enough. I just wanted to let you know the kind of music. Now, here is a discussion of Staten Island. And uh, for those of you who are tuning in late, this is Staten Island Day on the station. And I'm taking a historical viewpoint rather than a, a viewpoint of uh, changing population shifts and poverty problems, which we all know are about. But uh, I, will, I will read to, to you now the description of Staten Island as viewed through the eyes of a writer writing in 1898. Uh, it was a description in a, in a paper that was published that year on the 75th anniversary of the city of New York. And he says, and we quote, Staten Island and the jutting shoulder of Long Island opposite stand guard on each side of the Narrows to shield New York Harbor from the angry waves that dash in impotent fury upon Richmond Beach and Midland Beach and upon the shores of Coney Island, just as the grim fortresses facing one another on the headlands guard the untold wealth of the metropolis from wilier human foes. A little cheap guitar music now at this point, Al, if you will. Staten Island, the important physical bulwark of New York's commercial supremacy, erstwhile in its political estate, Richmond County, now the borough of Richmond in the greater New York, has the shape of an irregular triangle. It might be called kite-shaped. Its shores are washed by the rushing tide of the Kiel von Kuhl and the calm, shallow Newark Bay on the north. By the narrow Staten Island Sound, or Arthur Kill, which divides its winding eastern shore from Middlesex and Union Counties, New Jersey, on the southeast by the peaceful waters of Raritan Bay, within the protection of Sandy Hook, by the lower bay, on the strand that faces more directly to the southeast, straight out to sea, whence the waves roll in without obstruction, until they break in surf upon the beach and by the narrows and New York Bay on the northeast. Sounds romantic, doesn't it? <laughs> it really is. It is a romantic place. And remember, this is written in 1898. Staten, Staten Island, not all the way out, Al, just, just quietly there. Staten Island is reached from Manhattan by way of a magnificent fleet of ferry boats. The time required being about 20 minutes. Governor's Island on the left and the Statue of Liberty on the right are interesting objects passed on the way. Looking toward the island, one sees a wooded ridge high above the bay, commandingly situated on which is the magnificent Hotel Castleton, which was a great, fantastic place down around the turn of the century. The extreme length of Staten Island from St. George to Ward's Point is 13 and one half miles. 
and the extreme breadth from Port Tompkins Light to the shore of the Sound near Buttermilk Island is about eight miles, from which line the island tapers down to a point at the southern extremity. It has an area of 58 and a half square miles, and of the annexed suburbs was one of the earliest reclaimed from a wild state of nature, earlier even than some of the most congested areas of Manhattan Island. Yet, even at this date, and of course in 1898, that was modern, of course, yet, still on the whole, it is the most rural, even bucolic, and containing the elements most attractive to those who desire a restful retreat after the daily struggle in the civic arena in Manhattan Borough. You know, the, uh, and, and a curious thing, and this is, I'm interjecting my own comment here. This is the way a lot of the people who live in Staten Island still feel about it. In other words, it's not changed in the 70 some odd years since those days when this was written. That, uh, that a lot of people who live in Staten Island look upon it as the one place you can get away from New York. You've heard people say that, Jerry. Uh, and it's quite true, it is. And yet, it, 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 it's curious that here it is so close. Uh, so much part of the city, and yet it's hardly been really developed like all the rest of the city has. I mean, when you look over the fantastic sea of houses on Long Island, <laughs> you look out over even the Jersey Shore, uh, Manhattan is ridiculous. And there somehow, mysteriously, is Staten Island practically untouched. We go back to the to the text. Listen how they describe it here. And it... And it, and it the, the description is still valid today. A high ridge, well wooded in many places, runs from New Brighton at the northern extremity, nearly halfway through the island to the fresh kills in the vicinity of Richmond, reaching the summit level of 413 feet above tidewater at Todd Hill, popularly known as Toad Hill, directly west of the lighthouse at Fort Tompkins. From Todd Hill, the chief eminence of the Ocean Terrace, the center of the Staten Island Highlands, an attractive district for elegant country residences, some of which are surrounded with baronial parks. And from other points of vantage on the terrace, the eye can sweep over the ocean horizon. It can catch pretty glimpses of the rural districts of the island in the south and the north, the hills and the dales, the clumps of green woods and fields of grain the winding roads dotted with farmsteads on either side. It can turn to the westward and descry across the glimmering sheet of Newark Bay and the silvery thread of Staten Island Sound, the cities of New Jersey, enveloped in a beautiful softening haze. <laughs> That's changed. <laughs> a beautiful softening haze of smog and gunk. But in those days, it was just a lovely haze. And the orange mountains in the azure distance, it can view the great warships which lie at anchor in the bay off Tompkinsville, which spot since the late war has become historic. That was the Spanish-American War they were talking about, of course. Or it can observe the movements of the craft in the harbor, the forest of masts at the quays of New York, or Keys as it's better pronounced, and Brooklyn, and the lofty structures and dense habitations stretching into the endless distance, betokening the ocean of humanity surging currently in the borough of Manhattan. An ocean of humanity. That's a great description of it. Surging ocean. A secondary range of hills beginning at Topkinville 
east of the main ridge, or backbone of the island, and sweeping round to the eastward, gradually declining from the altitude of 300 feet and 10 feet at the starting point, reaches the shore of the Narrows at Clifton. The main ridge takes a westerly sweep near New Dorp. Then they go on to talk about the population. Incidentally, speaking of, of the farms on that, air, that, that island, uh, one of the popular crops grown on Long Island, or rather on Staten Island throughout the years, has been onions. You know the onion farms of, of Staten, you've heard of them. Well, this is a Dutch crop. Maybe you're not aware that the Dutch for centuries have been the chief growers in the world of onions. Did you know that? Very few people know that, but it happens to be a fact that the, that the Dutch, because of the, the nature of, of Holland, the homeland, uh, the soil, the climate, uh, the growing of bulb-type uh, plants was the one thing they could grow well, and what they had, hence the tulips. And uh, let's face it, the onion is a bulb plant. And so when the Dutch came over here, they automatically began to grow onions. And they are still growing onions. <laughs> Although I, I presume many of the, the onion farmers no longer are Dutch. But wherever the Dutch go, and I can tell you this with personal, uh, personal, uh, uh, let's say reminiscence here in this case, personal authority, that wherever the Dutch go, they grow onions, a, a particular group of Dutch. And so you'll find fantastic onion farms in, say, southern Illinois and northern Indiana, where the Dutch are. And many of them still speak Dutch, speak very little English, and uh, maintain their own schools. This is also true out in Pennsylvania, where the Dutch have settled. Again, the onion fields. And so you'll find the onions in Staten Island are directly related to the original Dutch, who thought of the onion as a great cash crop, and it's always been. The population of the island in 1790, that's not too long after the Revolutionary War, was 3,853 people. That was it, the entire island. 100 years later, that's 1890, and of course, to the people writing this piece, that was just a few years back. 100 years later, in 1890, it had increased to 51,693 and now, in 1898, and I'm quoting them, there are about 75,000 inhabitants. Well, I, I suspect that there's many, many times over that now in Staten Island. But uh, they, were, they were very pleased with the fantastic growth. It was taken, uh, originally taken possession by Henry Hudson. And when the English conquered New Netherland in 1661, and the English moved in fast, the first place they took over was Staten Island. And it's obvious why. Staten Island is a great strategic island. If you control Staten Island, especially in the day of sailing ships, ain't nothing going to get past. <laughs> no way. If you take a look at the map of this whole area, you'll see that Staten Island is like a cork right there, stuck in the narrows. And uh, anything that, that, that wants to get to Manhattan has got to get past Staten Island somehow. And so the first place they took was that island. Now, in 1691, about this time, a colony of French Huguenots uh, took up their abode on the island. And the Indians were constantly attacking the early settlers. And in 1665, the bands that assailed New Amsterdam after their repulse 
fled in their canoes to Staten Island. New Amsterdam, of course, is Manhattan. They beat it back to Staten Island, where they laid waste the farms. You know what the Dutch word for farm is? Bowery. Does that explain to you a word that's used in New York a great deal? <laughs> well, the Dutch really have influenced this whole area far more than people will, you know, recognize. And uh, they had these little farms all over Staten Island. The Indians took off and just burned them up and killed the people. And uh, they, they laid waste the Bowery's. And they massacred 20 out of the 29 white inhabitants that were there at the time. This was back in the 1600s. When the Duke of York ceded New Jersey to Lord Berkeley and Sir George Carteret, Carteret, New Jersey, uh, <laughs> he decided that Staten Island belonged to New York, provided it could be circumnavigated in a day. So Christopher Billop accomplished this with his sloop. And this is the reason. This is a very historic sloop. Uh, if it could be circumnavigated in one day, he said, it now belongs to New York. And so a captain named Christopher Billop did it with a sloop called the Bentley, thus saving the island for the Duke, and received a grant of over a thousand acres called the Manor of Bentley, which is at the southern end of the island. There he built in 1670 a manor house. And in 1898, I guess it's still standing, it was standing in Tottenville. Here at this point, General Howe, you remember the famous General Howe of the Revolutionary War? Here, General Howe met Benjamin Franklin and John Adams and Edward Rutledge, the delegates of the Continental Congress, to treat for peace after the Battle of Long Island, which was one of the great battles. A conference which came to nothing because he refused to recognize him. Can you imagine he refused to recognize Benjamin Franklin? and John Adams as representatives at the time of a belligerent power. They were just revolutionists. They were nothing more than that as far as Howe was concerned. So he said, the hell would it get out? The British occupied the Billop House as a barracks during the Revolutionary War. And incidentally, for those of you who are students of the Revolutionary War, you know that, the, that Staten Island was one of the great uh, English redoubts during the war, during the Revolutionary War. A lot of boats came in. Uh, brought in ammunition, food, and supplies, and they fought out of that area. That was the great area. would be like almost like Normandy uh, during World War II for the British. Uh, General Howe encamped on the island. He had 30,000 troops uh, there at that time. It's a lot of troops back in those days. And that's, that's where they left to encounter Long Island. They, they left from Staten Island to battle on Long Island just before that big battle. When he sailed away, when Sir William Howe sailed away to Philadelphia with the British troops, General Kneiphausen and his Hessians continued the military occupation of Staten Island, whence in company with Tories they made hostile raids all up and down the uh, islands and, and throughout Manhattan, and in fact uh, really hit New Jersey, which the Americans then avenged by raiding the island, and it was a fantastic battle. Staten Island was finally evacuated by the British on November 25th of 1783 in a tremendous rout. So that was that was the, the uh, that was the battle that, that raged on that island. Hold it there. That's enough of that. That's enough of that. Thank you, Al. But uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, we're strange people. The Americans are. 
by world standards, I'm, I'm going to have to say this by world standards, uh, but we, we don't think of ourselves really as particularly exotic. Uh, in fact, we think of the rest of the world as exotic, and this is as it should be. This is the way all people are around the world. But by world standards, we are really interesting. Uh, we're probably the only... We are the only people that I know of outside of a few uh, curiously small tribes that I've seen who have almost no sense of history. In fact, we resent history. Uh, part of our, well, in many ways, it's part of the youth cult, as a matter of fact. The idea that, that anything that goes back more than, uh, like, like eight years ago is irrelevant. I mean, we just think it's irrelevant. You know, how many times do you hear kids talk about, oh, World War II is irrelevant, and nothing to do with today? Uh, no, that's the belief, which really means that, that we, we reject history. History doesn't mean anything. Well, this, this, is, uh, this is a curious view. And taking Staten Island as an example, uh, Staten Island uh, is one of the great revolutionary battlegrounds. I mean, it, it, its history in, in the revolution is, is solid and long. Uh, this is where the British were camped for a long time. A couple of big battles were fought there. Uh, you know that the, that the fact that the Jerseyites have always borne a certain enmity towards Staten Island, and even to this day, people along the coast of Jersey often make snide remarks about Staten Island, and you've heard them probably. There is a definite antipathy between Staten Island. Do you know that it stems to that day? It stems back to the days when uh, the British occupied that island, and they also got some of the Dutch involved in it, too, and they spent a good deal of their time simply doing raiding, uh, and, and they were really commando raids. They were raiding parties on the island, on the, the New Jersey shore, and they would come storming ashore. Uh, they would uh, they'd burn down about five houses. They'd steal all the food they could, they could lay their hands on, grab the cattle, uh, <laughs> whatever was around, hop back on their ships and go back to Staten Island. And, of course, Staten Island began to be a hated island in Jersey. Uh, they'd look across to Staten Island and they would see nothing but, you know, bad news. So uh, the fact that, uh, that history is irrelevant is, is kind of a shallow view of it because, in, the fact, in fact, history affects all of our viewpoints towards everything, even though we consistently say history is the bunk. Not so. Uh, that, that we cannot escape history any more than, the, than a horse can escape being the fact that he's a horse. And he's connected by, by uh, many, many uh, generations to all the original horses. Now, there's a lot of views of history, uh, contemporary views, many different views that history, sh people should rewrite history so it fits social problems of the day. Well, this is uh, kind of a curious thing. Uh, we're doing that consistently with the Indians today. We're trying to we're trying to create an Indian that never really existed in many of our movies. Uh, a calendar Indian, the noble savage who stood upon the hilltop and thought only beautiful thoughts. <laughs> well, actually, at the time of the Indians, uh, it was a different scene, and uh, the Indian, the numerous Indian raids that occurred on Staten Island where uh, massacres occurred regularly on the island, according to contemporary accounts, affected the views of many of the people who later moved west, their attitudes towards Indians. They'd had bad news many times, and, and many good things, too. I'm not, 
arguing both ways. But it was a fa- you have to accept the, if you accept the good, you must also accept the bad if you're going to be any kind of an objective human being. So Staten Island is probably the most historical of all the islands. It's, it's undoubtedly the most historical as far as the Revolutionary War is concerned of the entire New York area. Historical if you're going to consider the British. So we generally only consider the, the so-called American side, the, the revolutionist side. So sure, Manhattan Highland had uh, many uh, uh, American areas, uh, the, the, the Murray Hill incidents and the Battle of Richmond Hill, the Battle of, uh, of Yonkers and so on. But uh, to, the, to the student of uh, the Revolutionary War, one of the most important islands was Staten because this was the British fortress. This is where the British moved out of. And, the men, and when, they got, when they got defeated at Staten Island and were kicked out of Staten Island, they evacuated Staten Island, well, that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> that, was, that was the end of the ball game. And yet you don't find many people in Staten Island even aware of its revolutionary history, uh, certainly aware of its Indian history. And if, if Staten Island were in any other country, there would be guided tours that would be taken regularly by students and historians and tourists to go look at the historical areas of the beginnings of their country, uh, of the Revolutionary War, the very early... In fact, some of the very earliest settlements in America back in the, in the very early 1600s were on Staten Island. Uh, this was the first place that Henry Hudson saw when he sailed over in his historic uh, trip up the now Hudson River. But uh, Staten Island is worth a trip, and if you've never taken that trip on the ferry, uh, you better do it, because I think the days of the ferry are numbered. Uh, it won't be long, historically, before the... In fact, there's been talk uh, many, many times of doing away with the Staten Island ferry. And for that, for that measly pittance that you, that you put into the slot when you get on that ferry, and that 20-minute trip across and that 20-minute trip back, uh, you will see... <laughs> Some of the most historic country, some of the most historic vistas in all of America. And, and true history. I'm talking about four and five hundred years ago. This is history. Uh, that's very different from the old days. You cannot describe history as the old days. It simply is history. Uh, when you walk around in Egypt and you're looking at the pyramids, do you think of the pyramids as the old days? Do you think of them as history? Well, that's literally what it is. So, uh, Staten Island curious place uh it's a it's a it's a, it's an anomaly even today uh you'll see you'll see towns in staten island the last time i was over there it was uh, no really I, I was there actually one day i'll never forget it no i, I took a, a motor i have a yamaha i rode around i have to amend what i said to you al i did and you know what hit me about it lee was sitting on the back of it the yamaha Curious decay on one hand. I mean, decay of, of an old style type, like little towns that, that have slowly begun to sunk into the, sink into the ground. Little old stores that were, that were kind of decaying at the seams. On the other hand, as you look another way, you see these high-rise apartments. You can see uh, the, the vast bridge that's moving in. It's a, it's a strange place. It's, that's a spooky atmosphere. And even in the days of the Dutch, uh, there was a feeling of remoteness, apparently. And I suspect this is why, ultimately, 
the island of Manhattan overtook Staten Island and went to move on to become what it is today, a sea of humanity. Staten Island. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for Lester Smith in the news. on the hour from the WOR newsroom, something new and specific has emerged about alleged bribery in the Queens District Attorney's Office. Assistant Queens DA Norman Archer and a private criminal lawyer, Frank Klein, were both named in affidavits filed today by a federal narcotics agent charging that they accepted bribes to fix criminal cases. Agent George Caro said that Klein took nearly $15,000 from an undercover agent facing an illegal gun possession charge to, quote, fix a friend in the district attorney's office, end quote. The Karos affidavit says the friend was Archer. The man facing the gun charge, the undercover agent, was never indicted on the charge, and his case was dismissed after the assistant DA told a grand jury that the defendant did have a valid gun permit. The affidavit said this was not true. Federal agents have reported seizing $4,700 in cash and a $3,100 check from Archer's home in Astoria, Queens, and from Klein's safe deposit.